0: This year, the Wellness Summit returns. 95% of the people you know out there want you to play it safe. They don't want you to jump over fire. You can get burned. They don't want you to live the life that you were born to live. You've got
1: to remember that if you're cooking food, you want to love it. You
0: don't want to be thinking, oh, I don't want to have to prepare another meal
1: for my husband who doesn't appreciate it. I don't have to prepare another meal for my wife who just doesn't care. She just wants peanut butter on toast. Wake the heck up. You are where you're at right here, right now because of all the choices you have made up to this point. Now, I didn't know what to do with being blown up. I didn't know what to do with that until the psychologist told me, you're going to have post-traumatic stress disorder, Karen. I went, okay, great. Now at least I know what to do with that.
0: Get ready, Melbourne. The summit is back. Well, other people are just walking through fire. We're that and I'm I masking. There's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Zazen Alkaline Water presents the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. All info and tickets at thewellnesssummit.com.
1: Thewellnesscoach.com. Streaming wellness into your lives.
0: Welcome to 100 Not Out. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to One Hundred Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the fabulous co-founder of the Wellness Couch and the Wellness Guys. Dr. Damien Christophe, in part two of our special interview with Dr. John Demartini. If you missed last week's episode, make sure you have a listen. He's at his provocative best in this discussion. And today, we kick it off with Damo lauding Dr. Demartini on his use of words and why is it that we love to attack people when they make mistakes. I, I love the way
1: you use words, Dr. Demartini. I really do. In fact, I've stolen a few of your words in, you know, over the years, like cranial digital rectalitis and stinking thinking, like those sorts of words are... Uh, they're great, I think, and it gets people thinking. So thanks for inventing words and pulling them apart. It's uh, it's good. I wanted to ask you, we were talking a little bit before about, um, you know, Marcus was talking about putting people on pedestals. In Australia, uh, we've had a situation where um, w- we see our sporting athletes as uh, as far better, far greater, with way more integrity, and certainly on a far bigger pedestal than our politicians. Um our many ticks, which I love. I love that you call them that. I think it's great. Um, we just had a situation in South Africa, which I'm sure you're aware of because this is broken world news, uh, where our uh, captain has admitted to cheating and it's brought the country to its knees. Like it's 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 got us all in tears. We're all upset that our sporting heroes have let us down. Um, and interestingly, those who are the biggest um, condemners of this behaviour are also former athletes that have also been involved in... Um, let's say, interesting behavior um, over, the, over, the t- over the years, some of them involved in scandals with regards to sport, some re- scandals with regards to personal life. Why is it that people um, attack or, or, or get really upset, get really cross with somebody else for doing something when they get caught, um, and it seems to be of outrage? Why, why does that happen so much?
2: Well, all right, this is a great question, an important one. Because of the brain structure, as I mentioned earlier, when you are living congruently with your highest values, your most inspired purposeful direction, and you're bringing your blood glucose and oxygen to the forebrain executive center, you are intrinsically oriented, intrinsic oriented. It means you're you're called from within and inspired from within to, to act and you embrace uh, your own causality, you don't dissociate and blame things on the outside or give credit for the outside. You just prioritize and live according to what you value most. But when you don't, and you subordinate to the influences of the world around you, and you minimize yourself to those around you and live in their shadows instead of on the shoulders of giants as a mass awareness, you tend to dissociate and you want to blame things on the outside and give credit for the outside. So you therefore seek heroes and try to avoid villains and you become polarized and subjectively biased with a confirmation bias towards a hero and a disconfirmation bias on their negatives or a confirmation bias towards the villains and a disconfirmation bias on their positives. And this subjectively distorted biased perspective, which everybody's vulnerable to if they're not living congruently with what they value most, um, tends to make us addicted to our prey and subdicted from our predator and blind. And we set up fantasies and repress our nightmare awareness of these leaders, these heroes, and set them on such a pedestal and such a fantasy that we get addicted to that. We go in herd instincts to go follow them And the truth is they're not worth putting on pedestals or pits. They're just human beings with both sides. But we bias ourselves and blind ourselves of the downsides and put a fantasy together. And then when they break that fantasy, which they're inevitably going to do, uh, we're crushed, we're angry. And we're not angry at them, we're angry at our own perceptions of them, our own fantasy we've made out of them. The reality is they're not worth putting on pedestals or pits. They're worth respecting, they're worth um, respecting them for their accomplishments, but not heroizing them. Cause they're going to let us down. No human being is one sided. And so they're trapped sometimes by their own accomplishments and their own uh, ego needing feeding uh, acknowledgement. But what happens is we, they're eventually trapped by that. I, I, I've i worked with many celebrities and many sports personalities and. They're trapped. They don't know how to get out of that trap too. They're afraid of falling. But at the same time, they want out of their prison of that, you know, adornment. So the reality is that a human being is not worth putting on pedestals or pits. But what we do is we do it. And the, and the wise, the wisest of, of leaders and sports personalities or celebrities are the ones that center themselves and don't allow one or the other to emerge. But few can do that. You know, you have few Nobel Prize winners, few gold medalists, few of these people, and the ones that are able to endure, and sustain it, are the ones that keep themselves centered and not distracted by fame and fortune or elation, because it's guaranteed that they're they're gonna fall from their so-called grace if they allow themselves or others to put them on pedestals. And this is the, they have to learn this sometimes over time. But the reality is that, you know, we're human beings. I've seen this adornment and aggrandizement in gurus. I've seen it in religious uh, icons. I've seen it in sports. I've seen it in every field. And I've watched people set themselves up for their own hurt by uh, allowing somebody to get infatuated. We do this in our relationships quite commonly. We get infatuated with people. We set up fantasies about who they are. And then when we discover who they really are, we're angry, not because we're angry Uh, at them. We're angry at the fantasy we made about them. They're just human beings and they're worthy of love. But we've created these delusions and we have to pay our price. And this occurs individually and collectively as as societies. And I I tell people, the more they have a hero, the more they'll be a villain. Just be patient. The other side will eventually surface because nobody's one or the other.
0: Now, we want to move on to physical health, but your answer intrigues me. I I don't – I mean, I feel silly asking it, but I really am curious to ask it. Is this just the way society is created, or do you have an expectation that we will, for want of a better term, evolve to be less manic and less depressed, to be less elated and and less uh, despondent? Will we uh, become more um, empowered? and centered or is this the way that it's always been from the days of the Renaissance to the days of before Christ and it will be like this for another 2000 years and beyond, or is it actually a part of our evolution that we would become um, more centered in society?
2: Well, if we had everybody a cook in the kitchen, we'd have problems. And if everybody was a CEO, we'd have problems. We, we're not going to have uh, an executive function in every human being at, at any moment. Um, So I think that's delusional uh, for people to fantasize that we're going to have an enlightened world. Um, You know, I think that's just delusional.
0: Because isn't the whole point that the world is enlightened right now? We just don't see it. People choose to see one side rather than the greatness of everything that's happening right now.
2: Well, in actuality, um, nothing's missing in each person. But in our reality, because of our conscious and unconscious awareness, we, you know, distort it. And, and you can't have everybody, like I say, enlightened at the same time, because there'd be the whole structure, the social structure falls apart. You know, you can't have everybody a CEO or otherwise there's no workers. So you have to have some people that are uh, devaluing themselves in order to position themselves in those different components. So I don't have this ideology or this ide- idealism that's in fantasy that, you know, we're all going to be enlightened in 2012, that kind of thing. Mm. Yeah. That's delusional. Uh, yep. I do believe that it's essential to have a social structure uh, and we can't have leaders without followers we can't have a structure. So the very structure itself demands levels of awareness, levels of consciousness. yep and uh, so the question is is there's nothing stopping from any human being to play at any level but the social structure demands that there has to be a structure. So people will automatically minimize themselves to others and exaggerate themselves to others and judge and, and position themselves with their subjective biases. Uh, the question is, is where do you wanna play in the game of life? I, I'm interested in teaching people um, how to integrate their lives and become masterful and wake up their leadership, but that's individualistic. That's not for everybody, um, at least at any one moment. So I I, I, don't, I don't live in the fantasy that, oh, we're going to have an enlightened world now and it's just about to happen, or the world is screwed up. I don't live that way. I don't see those. I find that no matter what we experience in life, there's a balance of, of pairs of opposites there. And when we can embrace both of them, we become masterful. And When we don't, we become sensational. Uh, you have a choice. Uh, your awareness will determine whether or not you're going to let your amygdala run you or your executive center run you. I'm just interested in teaching people how to, you know, it takes no effort to be passionate for like an animal. Passion means to suffer. Uh, but it takes some effort and mastery to become the executive, to be able to govern yourself. And we don't even have in politics real or true masterful governance. Uh, I don't expect that to occur because what sells and what markets is sensationalism. So the, the the real master is behind the scenes in politics most of the time not upfront, but I do believe that we can educate people and I will do my part. It's a small part, but it's, a, it's my part. And I do believe that in the process of doing that, we will advance the few people in society that are receptive to that. But I do believe that uh, the masses have always been sensationalist. We can trace that back through history. And um, so I don't think that we're gonna have this enlightened world uh, all at once. I do believe that we'll have a few enlightened people in different fields. You have a few that are great in each field and they worked for it. I, I was sitting, uh, I did the Breakthrough Experience in um, in Ontario, in Kingston, Ontario. And the head of the business school at Harvard was there. And he took me to dinner afterwards. He loved the program. He said, He said, what you said was meaningful and very true he said, I sit out from my office at Harvard and I look out amongst all the professors' offices from my office. I can see it all. They said that the normal professors leave at 5 to 7 p.m. after professing throughout the day. The professor emeritus are 9 to 10, and the Nobel Prize winners are there past midnight each night. Their degrees of dedication and congruency are revealed in their behavior. And the ones that leave their mark and legacy that last for decades and centuries because of their congruency um, are evident and the majority of people uh, are scaled and the students are no different. And uh, those that are most congruent are the most enduring and those that are least congruent are the most uh, perturbed and volatile and emotional. And they live in their, their, their animal brain instead of their human and angelic uh, centers. So we can, we can, uh, we can govern ourselves if we learn the, the wisdom of the ages, or we can age without the wisdom of the ages. It's all up to what we decide to fill our minds with, what we feed our thoughts to.
1: The wisdom of the ages is an interesting construct because you'd think that it would be wise to look at the wisdom of the ages, but it appears that, for the most part, Dr. Martini, most people don't look at the wisdom of the ages, and we find ourselves these days with people presenting with multiple conditions like autoimmune diseases, gut issues, digestive issues, warts, fungus, bacteria, parasitic infections. they've got multiple things going on with their body and they still seek uh, modern treatments or a modern approach to managing these sorts of conditions, but we're in such a poor health state. And I, I kind of uh, sometimes I sit and I wonder, how do we get to this point when there is so much wisdom? In the planet, how did how did we get to this point where people are so lost with their health that they turn to drugs and surgery only um, in order to get rid of these uh, these conditions or to manage
2: them? Well, that's a great question. You know, if um, if you go out and binge and pig out and eat way voluminously more than your body is normally able to handle, the next morning you'll wake up with puffy eyes, um, you know, irritable bowel. Gas, cramps, maybe headache, stuffiness, fullness, fatigue, a lot of symptoms. If you go to the orthodox allopathic approach and go to a doctor, he'll say, "Well, you need an antihistamine for the inflamed eyes, and the we're running eyes. You have, you got an analgesic for the headache. You got an antiviral for the stomach. You got an anti-bowel uh, um, stimulant, you know, to, to calm down the diarrhea." Um, And the cramps and he'll give you, you know, five or six medications for those symptoms and you'll then feel better. You'll think, and you'll think, okay, I feel better. And health is somehow symptom free. And that immediate gratifying dopamine seeking approach, hedonistic approach that Aristotle and even Hippocrates warned against, um, is what the majority of people out of ignorance seek. Now, the body, if you went to an allopathic, I mean, a chiropractor possibly, or a naturopath uh, physician or, or practitioner, uh, he might ask you, so when did this begin? And so it started this morning and after last night. I said, what'd you do last night? Well, I pigged out and binged and ate six times the amount of food I normally could eat. And so is these symptoms that you're having your body's natural, healthy, biological responses to pigging out the answer is yes. So are these symptoms a sign of illness or are they actually a sign of health? I'm a believer that the symptoms we have, if we understand them through applied physiology, are very commonly feedback mechanisms to homeostate us into wiser behavior to help us get back to our authentic self and not our exaggerated or minimized self, where we do volatile behavior. And if we do, we realize that the We don't have a deficiency of drugs. We don't have an excess of organs. We have uh, maybe not the wisdom to listen to what our body is. Claude Bernard and Walter Cannon um, were applied physiologists who really are leaders in their field back at the time, wrote a book called The Wisdom of the Body. And they were trying to let people know that homeostasis and allostasis and the feedback mechanisms of our physiology are trying to guide us and there is an intuitive, psychological, and a homeostatic physiological feedback system, a negative feedback system trying to homeostate us and get us back into our authentic self and guide us. And uh, they're autotelic, they're purposeful, and they're misinterpreted because we want immediate gratification. Our dopamine centers seek immediate gratification and not long-term wisdom. And so if we don't have guidance by wise individuals, and we don't know how to listen to our intuition and our physiology, and don't know how our body's really working, we will overlook it and lose track of that our symptoms are part of health, not disease. And and so we will not have diseases of meaning, we'll have diseases of meaninglessness. And uh, Kim Jobs, a friend of mine who's in London, who's just honored with the Royal College of Physicians and who applies my work there, um, is, wrote a beautiful book a, a beautiful article on diseases of meaning. And I think that it's wise to, for people to read this because I believe that the symptoms of our body are feedback mechanism to guide us, to live them a really purposeful, meaningful, and inspired life. But we've lost sight of that. And so I try my best. I wrote a textbook, a thousand page textbook on what the diseases represent psychologically, what they're trying to offer us as feedback to try to educate people on this. But, but people want immediate gratification. They are, they're, they let their animal run them, not their angel. And I, instead of having a messenger of light inside them, they have the uh, messiness of their darkness, if you will. And I think that uh, education is the key on this. But but I don't think that everybody is designed for this awareness. But those, I'll do my part in those who are receptive and ready. That's all. All right, there is so
0: much wisdom in there and I have about 75 follow-up questions but I, I can't get them all out. The diseases and meaning one is fascinating because you mentioned this a lot at your event Prophecy which Sarah and I did maybe five years ago and actually I had it down to ask you about today but I'm going to go to something else first and that is... You also mention a lot in your events, The Great Books, and about a year ago, I tracked down a copy of The Great Books, not realizing that they weighed about 75 kilos, and hoarded them onto a plane, and not realizing that it's going to take me 10 years to read them, but one of the books is Aristotle, Dr. Demartini, and he talks about diet, and Damien and I, um, you may not remember this, Dr. Demartini, I wouldn't expect you to, but you were one of the people that helped me see the light, for one of a better terms, in um. Swaying away from the vegan diet, which I'd been having for about six years, to being somewhat more in the middle, um, and and to this day, Damien and I, in five years of one hundred not out, are still looking for a one hundred not out vegan who has been vegan since the day that they were born, or or near thereof. Um, and the fact that we cannot find one leaves us a little bit concerned at the rise in the popular in the popularity. Of veganism. Now, I put my hand on my heart and say I was vegan for six years. I loved those years, but can you shed any light on the wisdom or lack thereof of looking at diet in such a mono fashion?
2: Well, there are uh, – veganism uh, can be scientifically and successfully ac- accomplished. So I'm not going to negate it as a, as a approach, but it does require – Thought and, and, and planning and understanding of nutrients. Uh, I see people that just try to go vegan and just get rid of meat and get rid of this. And, and they just start eating you know, lettuce. And then they 10 to 12 years later, they have bone demineralization and protein deficiencies uh, and other problems with that. So you, it can be done. It's not that it can't be done. It's just that you do have some restrictions that you have to put on your life. Um, and you can restrict and alienate people and alienate settings and 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 keep yourself from doing things that also could be valuable to your life. So you have to weigh out the pros and cons of an extreme um, approach. The reason I'm more of a moderate person is uh, in a sense of selecting diet is because of living, your daily living. Not everybody has um, the ability to make pure veganism 24 hours a day, that's not a a practical thing for many people. It can be done, but our body is made and designed with all its structures to be able to handle a variety of foods and um, it can, in its bio, its microbiome is adaptable based on what we eat. And so people can do a pure vegan diet. I've seen people do it. I know people who do it. I was at the Hippocrates Health Institute recently speaking. Mm And many people do that, Uh, but they do it with understanding and knowledge and selection and combinations that allow proteins and nutrients to be complete.
0: Is it sustainable though? Do they do it for 60, 70, 80 years? That's that's my concern and question. I, I can't
2: say that I know a lot of them that have done that, and I can't say that a lot of them don't sneak other foods in, but... Um, I know that scientifically it can be done. It's just very impractical for daily life for most people. So I'm a firm believer to allow yourself the uh, variety of foods. Your body has all types of teeth for all types of digestion and chewing and swallowing and things. It's meant to have a variety of food. I don't think it's meant for extremes. But there are people that eat nothing but meat and survive. They usually live shorter lives. Um, there are people that have pure veganism, but my experience is it's wise to have a variety of foods. That's the, that's what the body is capable of doing. It's designed for it and, um, it allows an increase the probability of adequate proteins and the fatty acids. I've seen some people that have gone vegan for a long period of time unwisely start having skin conditions, bone conditions, um, bowel conditions. They're so become so sensitive that and they're so emotionally charged against food that they're, if they even get around those other foods, they get sick. So I've seen extremes lead to um, disturbances. So I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's a value in moderation and a diversity of foods to make sure that the adequate nutrients are met. And I think we are designed for the adaptability of all of the foods. So excessive proteins, excessive meats, excessive Fats, excessive sugars, excessive anything, usually has its toll. So I'm a firm believer in moderate, moderate rhythm and consistency, uh, and diversity. It's just like putting all your your money into one investment. That's usually unwise. It's wise to have a little bit of diversity.
0: Oh, we could oh. you we could go on. You've been with us for almost an hour, and uh, it was only meant to be half an hour. And you've been so generous with your time, and we could go on for hours and hours and hours. Dr. Martini, thank you so much, not just for your generosity of time, but for your generosity of heart and soul. As you always give us on 100 Not Out and with any interview that you provide, we can't thank you enough for joining us. And may we wish you every success for the next 45 years of sharing your message. As we like to say to every single one of our guests, Dr. Martini. may the rest of your life truly continue to be the best of your life.
2: Well, thank you. And, and what would we, what probably be wise is to schedule uh, our next interview uh, well, we could schedule other interviews, but let's schedule one for 45 years so I, I, that increases my probabilities.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I did mention to Damo the other day it. on episode 260 that we'll be doing episode 2600, which is uh, in 50 years. So we might be uh, lining you up for that. Don't uh, deny it. That's for sure. But uh, folks, if you'd love to see more of Dr. Demartini, we highly recommend to go and do the Breakthrough Experience. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, you could go and see Dr. Demartini in Brisbane in mid-April or go over to New Zealand. But he's all around the world. Again, over 1,100 Breakthrough Experiences Dr. Demartini has conducted. All you need to do is go to Dr. That's drdemartini.com. That's d r d e m a r t i n icom We'll also put the link in the show notes. Damo, thanks again. Incredible questions by you. Incredible insight. Great, incredible. What a wisdom. great interview.
1: Yeah, uh, amazing. Absolutely. Thanks.
0: We'd love your feedback, folks. You can go to thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out. Please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. Give it a five-star rating. And when you're at thewellnesscouch.com, remember, you can check out the number one show, The Wellness Guys. Now, until next week, continue to make the rest of your life. Thanks for your support and see you on the next episode. This year, The Wellness Summit returns. I realised in this time that I couldn't keep waiting for love from other people, I couldn't keep expecting love from other sources, but I had to give that to myself. Yanni says I don't care if everyone says that the kitchen is the woman's world, he says I'm going to prepare food, I love my own cheese, I love my own wine, I don't care what you think of my new flat screen TV, he just loves company.
1: I started asking myself more often, what do I want? Such a simple question isn't it?
0: But when you think that, and I'm sure all of you sitting there, when you think that, something springs into your mind. And there's something there that you want that you haven't been doing for yourself. Brett Hill and Marcus Pierce feature at the 2018 Wellness Summit. Bigger and better than ever. Tickets on sale Friday, May 4 at thewellnesssummit.com.